I bring to you this morning grace, mercy, and peace from God, our Heavenly Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I want you to take a look at the front of your bulletin. Pull that out and take a gander at it with me. Um, You have been looking at something quite similar. Abiding with Jesus has lived at the top of this for quite a while. Uh, Advent, uh, that was back in December of last year. Moving ahead to Christmas is the next image on there. The arrows take us to Lent. Uh, That leads us to the empty tomb of Easter and now to the the fruitfulness of of, uh, listening to God's teachings uh, throughout this summertime. And, And friends, we are getting to the end. Today is the last day, the last message in our year-long series. Friends, we are almost done abiding with Jesus. (laughs) Sort of. (laughs) We're at the end of getting up close and personal with what Jesus has to say so that we can't avoid what's uncomfortable. After this, there's going to be no more connected to the vine so that we can bear fruit. No more learning the words and ways of Jesus so that we can know what Jesus knew and do what Jesus did. Well, sort of. Abiding with Jesus in this series. This is the last message in this year-long series of looking at every gospel text and every week for a whole year through the lens of abiding with Jesus. But abiding with Jesus will not stop, cannot stop, must not stop. For as we've learned, without him we can do, well, you've heard it, without him we can do nothing. Let me read those words of John uh, chapter 15. Uh, Just refresh you again, things you've heard before, but remind you as we put the capstone on this um, at the end here. John 15, verses one through eight. I am the vine, I'm the true vine, and my father is the gardener. This is Jesus speaking. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, and while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean, that is pruned. You are already pruned because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And now the key verse from it that we've said time and again, see how much you can say it along with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And Jesus goes on to explain, if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Friends, I'm quite certain that you can expect in the year ahead that the Father will still be gardening, that he'll still be pruning so that we can be more fruitful. He'll still be encouraging and inviting us to remain in him, reminding us that without being connected, we can do nothing, still asserting that there is a time frame for all of this, that there will be an end, and so to be careful, to to not live like you've got all the time in the world to get to what he's calling you to do today. You should still be expecting that and enabling us uh, to increasingly bear fruit so that we can show ourselves to be his disciples because our world needs to know where they can reliably turn and hear what God has to say. 
and experience the love of God in tangible form, to find help where they feel helpless and hope when they feel hopeless. Yeah, we're wrapping up a year-long series of abiding with Jesus, but the sake, for the sake of your own growth, for the sake of your own hope, for the sake of this world finding help, for the sake of those you love and those near to you experiencing the love of God, we will not and we cannot stop abiding with Jesus. Nonetheless, this is the end of a series. If it, if it were a movie, uh, usually the, the, the main characters finish the final thoughts uh, of the movie, and then it usually like pans back out. I don't know why all movies do this, but it seems like they, they do, and you kind of get a bigger perspective on all of it. Uh, and in those moments, as you have a final like overarching view of it all, you get a big picture of the scene. It's a chance kind of to remain in the story, but also see the bigger picture, a chance to reflect on the experience you've had and the last hour, hour and a half, two hours that you've invested um, in the movie, but also a chance to transition. Like, what am I going to hold on to? How does this affect life? Um, how do you move on to the rest of life? I see the same thing in play today in the final text in our series, words that Jesus invites us to focus on, inviting us to look at a bigger picture of abiding with Jesus, uh, still looking at that, but, uh, but zooming back again, back from the nitty-gritty and up-close personal to the bigger picture. We get to reflect and experience the transition to what we might want to remember, to bring with us into what's next. And to be honest, Jesus is pretty directive here about what we can expect. What he says shouldn't surprise us as we continue abiding with Jesus. What we should be ready for as we continue on as disciples of Jesus or ones striving to be disciples. And this is what the life of being a disciple will look like on the whole. It seems to be a great way to wrap up the year and step into what's next because it's not a wholly leaving what has been, but a process of taking what we've learned and how we've progressed and bringing it into what's next. Uh, we'll be in Luke chapter 14, verse 25. I'd love for you to, to open up whatever scripture you have nearby. If, if you want to Google that, feel free to talk to Siri or whoever else and tell them to look up uh, Luke 25 for you or uh, get out the paper copy uh, wherever you want. Luke 25, start, sorry, Luke 14, starting at verse 25. Uh, I invite you to look there a Along with me. Luke chapter 14, starting at verse 25. Now, up till this point, uh, we've seen Jesus uh, addressed by the Pharisees and asked questions by this person and pushed in these ways and, and wondered about in this way. But at this point, verse 25, it starts here. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said. Now, before we look any further, can I just say this is unprompted? No one has asked him a question. No one's challenging him. He's not trying to finesse his way out of something. Uh, someone's not trying to confuse him. He's saying it just because he wants his followers to know it. Now, as I think about those moments in my own life, I've stepped back into being a soccer coach again. Um, I think about the time that I've spent uh, parenting my own children. Um, there are those opportunities where there isn't like some particular thing that's just happened and I want to talk to you about it, but something like, hey, you know what? I just need you to know this. It's usually a caring and, and loving move, a, a sort of like, hey, there's something you haven't thought about yet that I want to make sure that you know is coming. There's, uh, there's an opportunity that I don't want you to be surprised by, don't want you to be derailed by when it comes along, so I'm going to tell you about it now. It's a care move. It's a, it's a heads up. I mean, particularly in this season, I think about the, this move being made by 
parents of college freshmen, uh, dropping them off at school, and the kind of final comments that would happen before mom and dad hop back in the car and drive away. Uh, A care move like a, hey, I just want you to remember, like, everybody who befriends you may not be your friend. Or, uh, hey, keeping your priorities straight won't happen by accident or whatever it is that that they might come along, because the parents can anticipate uh, the friendships that come along down the way that maybe you might get burned, you might end up having a friend that's not really a friend, or or anticipating the fun and and the friendship that'll come along the way will call louder than the goal of graduation, maybe. And just like maybe that college freshman is inclined to dismiss this saying, no, 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 that's not me, all my friends, I'll make good ones. No, 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 that's not me, I'll be able to stay disciplined along the way. Maybe we too might seem like we could set aside this little unprompted offering from Jesus. It'll be fine. I don't need this. But Jesus is pretty clear. If you want to be his disciple, this is what you'll be up against. Here is what you'll be doing. Luke chapter 14, now on to verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And he goes on to explain how someone might calculate the cost for those things and think about what's to come, encouraging us to do the same. Look at the bigger picture. Expect this. Expect, if I'm going to put it in my own words, expect that you'll be treasuring and honoring and listening to and trusting me more than anyone else in your life. And you'll trust that in me you already have, you already have all that you need to such an extent that any thought, that you'll be willing to set aside any thought, any attitude, any conviction, any possession, any job, any want, any hope, any expectation, be willing to set aside even your very own life. That's what it's like to be my disciple. Expect that daily, hourly, constantly, there will be crosses to bear. And being my disciple means you will carry them. (laughs) Did you know that when Jesus first talks about a cross in the course of his dialogue with his disciples, it's not his own cross? It's not him talking about me going to the cross and sacrificing myself for others. The first cross that he talks about is in context just like this, of the disciples' cross. A symbol that, uh, I mean, most Christian churches have them somewhere, on their sign, in their logo, up in the front of church, you name it, they're all around it. Most people's minds, when they see the cross, ours in particular, I mean, it's got Jesus uh, resurrected and hovering in front of it, uh, reminds us of Jesus' cross, what he's conquered, that he puts him in a place of power, that he's proved that he's conquered sin, death, and the devil, that one day he will return and deliver the full spoils of the victory that he earned there. But I wonder, based on this unprompted assertion, if Jesus might encourage us as we look at that cross, that symbol, to remind us just as much of the crosses that were expected to carry. (laughs) I wonder about that, but I'm confident that he's saying to them, to his disciples on those days, and to us who strive to live as his disciples, we can just as much see this addressed to us as well. Expect this to be hard. 
Expect being a follower of me to take work and intentionality. I mean, I don't know any church that has taken uh, these words and put them on the front of their welcome thing, like, hey, come be a follower of our church where you get to take up your cross and follow Jesus. Woo woo. Like, who signs up for this? At least from a here and now perspective. But as you step back and think about it, as you look at the bigger picture, even if your life is 80, 90, 100 years, 110 years, that's but a small blip on the course of eternity. The time here is but a small time in comparison to the eternity that is to come that he's promised that we get to be with him. And so there is, uh, in some ways, then it's not surprising at all that there would be sacrifices in this time and and willingness to take on hardships in this time because of all that is to be gained because this is only a bit of it. There's so much to gain and quite honestly, there's no other way to be into eternity with him. It is an unprompted assertion, heads up, that he offers here, and it's a loving move. Because when you know that something is hard, you prepare for it in a different way. I mean, like, right now in the course of the semester, for those of you that are students right now, you're doing those sort of, uh, like, exams that are reviewing the things that came before, like, the amount of studying that you're doing for that as compared to what you'll do for the final exam at the end of all the things for the year's worth of stuff is totally different because you know that's going to be harder. So also here he's saying, look, you're up against quite a bit, so prepare for what's to come. He doesn't pull any punches. He says, the people whom you care for whom you love, whom you listen to, the ones who care for and support you. For some of you, this is your immediate family. For others, it may be others in your life, friends or or roommates or, or whoever it is that are those close people that you rely on and who rely on you. There will be times that you'll need to choose between what I ask of you and what they ask of you. There will be times that you'll need to decide who is more important to you. There will be times that you need to decide if you're willing to let go of or change things about yourself because I lead you there. Expect there'll be crosses to bear. Man, by not pulling any punches, He puts me on my knees wondering, how, Lord, is this possible? Uh, I think he puts me exactly where he wants me to be, praying a prayer, Jesus, I can't do this. Repeat after me. Jesus, I can't do this. Did you know that's a faithful prayer? To say, Jesus, I can't do this. Like, Jesus, I, I need your help, and I can't do this. That's an amazingly faithful prayer because he tells us to expect to carry our cross and expect for it to be hard, but he only expects that we'd carry our cross in the strength that comes through his. Abiding in him means only carrying our crosses in the strength of his. Uh, Let's make a commitment to do that. Repeat after me. I'll only carry my cross in the strength of his. One more time like you mean it. I'll only carry my cross in the strength 
of his. And by doing this, we're living into those words of John 15. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, he can do nothing. Now, nowhere in here does he say doing this makes this easy. He just says it makes it possible. Realize as well that abiding is more than being God being with you. Uh, see, you can be near to someone but not connected. That's not abiding. You can be a listener but do nothing with it. That's not abiding. You can call yourself Christians and have lots of aspirations, but if they don't lead you to concretely make space in your day, your mind, your calendar to be with him so that you're empowered to do the things he's calling you to do, that's not abiding. Abiding is being connected to him in an ongoing relationship, an ongoing conversation with him. It's talking to him uh, when you get up. It's reading his words at some point in the course of every day, like it's a relationship you actually want to lean into, not one that you just hold on the side. You maybe even sing these promises as you go throughout the day because you've got music that reminds you of them as you go throughout your day. It's regularly asking the take up your cross question that he's told us is going to be a part of it. It might sound like this, uh, Lord, what cross am I to bear? Uh, Jesus, what are you asking me to die to today? For the cross is a place where things go to die. It's the place where Jesus died. It's the place where our hopes and our wants and our plans and our patterns of thinking may need to die so that Jesus wants and his hopes and his plans and his patterns of thinking could take center stage and primary focus in our lives. Take up your cross and follow me means reflecting regularly, Jesus, what needs to die in me so that I can grow to be more like you. If there was one question to write down from the course of our time together this morning, it's this question. Jesus, what needs to die in me so that I can be more like you? In fact, I want to challenge you to take five minutes at some point in the next seven days to sit with that question. Jesus, what needs to die in me so that I can grow to be more like you? Sit with this question because we have a God who is always present and at work, who does work through his word and will call to mind his promises, will bring conviction in your heart to the things that need repenting of. He promises to be working in us, so let's let him make good on that promise. Give him space and a chance, and he will bring things to mind, things he wants to remove from your life or change in your life or add to your life which in the course of time uh, may mean that some other things need to get set aside or take a back seat for a time. You might go about this, if you're like me, I can process better by writing. Uh, Maybe for you it's drawing. Maybe it's uh, talking about it with someone else over a meal. Maybe it's while you go for a walk you can ponder this because as your body is moving, your mind can quiet enough that you can do this. Maybe for you it's while you go for a drive where you already know where you're going and you're not going to run into anybody, but uh, that you can ponder while you're busy uh, doing that, whatever the process I want to challenge you once you've had the time to do that processing, to pause, pull over if you need to, if you're driving, and write something down at the end. I encourage you to fill in uh, two fill-in-the-blank sentences. The first one, Jesus wants me to stop or start blank. That's question number one. Jesus wants me to stop or start this. And that means 
This is number two. That means I'll need to blank to make that happen. Because it's something that's not already happening in your life, potentially. So that means I'll need to blank to make that happen. Uh, Let me help put some skin on this and a real reality to it for the perfectionists out there. The cross may be stopping considering yourself a failure when things don't turn out. That's a cross to bear. For the helpers in the world out there, it may be stopping finding your worth in your giving to others. For the achiever out there, it could be stopping believing the lie that success will bring you peace. For the worries out there, it might be stopping considering some things outside of God's control and therefore something you have to worry about. But remember, we're only going to bear our crosses in the strength of his. And there were two questions to that. First, this is the thing that Jesus wants me to stop or start. But number two, that means I'll need to blank in order to make that happen. As followers of Jesus, that blank often gets to get filled in with the good news of Jesus. I need to remind myself of a promise that proclaims truth, that allows me to bear this cross, that he's calling me to stop or or start, uh, the, the difficulties that are come with that. So again, let me give you real practical suggestions for the perfectionists out there. If the cross is stopping considering yourself a failure when things don't turn out, the promise that you need to hear, and so I'm going to say uh, uh, that means that I'll need to remind myself of this promise in order to make this happen. And that promise would be in Jesus dying for you, he showed that you have worth and you are valuable, period, regardless of what you've done or not done. For the helpers, if that cross is stopping finding your worth in your giving, the promise that you need to hear is that God gives his son, and that proves that you are valuable. For the achievers out there, if the cross is stopping believing the lie that success will bring you peace, the promise that you need to hear is that peace is found in a person, Jesus, who made you at peace with the Father by his cross. And that's where peace is found. For the warriors out there, if the cross is stopping considering some things to be outside his ability to help, the promise that you get to cling to, that you are safe. Because God made and now rules over everything, even sin, death, and the power of the devil. And he proved it by his cross. I could keep going. There are lots of lies that we end up believing and ways that we end up reflexively operating which lead to fear and frustration that are ultimately based in lies that are not the way that Jesus thought and not the way that Jesus lived. And there is a promise that comes through Jesus' cross that will help you push back those lies, give you strength to bear that cross in the strength of his Now, there's a possibility that as you take this five minutes to reflect on that question, what do I need to let go of so that what Jesus is can can grow up more in me? You may only be able to land on the thing that you need to let go of, the thing that you need to repent of, the thing that needs to change, the thing that you need more of in your life so that you can have more of this relationship. And if that's where you find yourself, I have an invitation for you. Pastor Brian and I would love the opportunity to walk with you. Our email's right in the front of the bulletin there. You can shoot one to either one of us. Give us a call and set up an appointment. We'd love to meet you at your lunchtime or for a coffee, come to your house, you name it. We'd love to walk with you to help you find that promise that will empower you to bear your cross in the strength of his. It would bring us great joy to be invited to walk along with you that way.
For while this series is done, abiding with Jesus must not. Courageously keep asking that question. Jesus, what do you need me to die to? What cross are you calling me to bear? But always follow up with what promise of yours helps me bear it. You aren't intended to do this alone. It's only connected to him that you will bear much fruit. And as together, as we abide in him, we will be seen as his disciples and the Father will be praised. And trusting in those promises earned in the cross, we will bear much fruit so that increasingly more and more people can abide with him along with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.